With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. What's shaking, Red Nation? It is another episode of The Dream Take, presented by The Dream Shake, home of all things Houston Rockets over at SBNation.com. Jeremy Brenner here with part two of three of our draft prospects review, and I've got my co-pilot Michael Brown ready to talk about the wings of this draft. Mike, how is your Wednesday going? How are you? Hey, all good, brother. Always good to be on with you. Absolutely. And last episode, we talked about guards. So go check that out wherever you listen to podcasts for part one of that series. But now we have part two, the wings. And in my opinion, the term wing could be is a very loose term. Because in today's NBA, we have wings that can be considered twos. Some can be considered threes. You can argue that some wings are even fours. And I can tell, Mike, by the definition of wing, you and I disagree automatically. Well, no, not necessarily. <laughs> well, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, to me, like when you say the prototypical like wing in today's NBA, he's a guy that runs anywhere from six three to six eight, six nine. Uh, I know some people would, you know, consider that to be a big at 6'9". To me, that's a wing. You know, a wing, you know, prototypically is a guy like Trevor Ariza. Um, I would consider Danny Green to be a wing. I would consider Jay Sean Tate to be a wing. I don't think he's a power forward as some people might think. But, I mean, the wing is definitely an, an area of this roster that needs to be addressed often this offseason. Yeah, and, you know, today I have uh, – we have a couple people that, that might be coming in and out depending on their schedule, uh, guys that have done great job covering this draft so far. One of those guys is my good buddy Nima Javadzadeh. He is a co-host over at uh, Gen Z Rockets, the Gen Z Rockets podcast. So Nima has done a fantastic, absolute amazing job, and I'm super glad to welcome him onto the podcast today. Nima, what's going on? Bro? How's it going, Jeremy? Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I the thing is, Nima is I need to be able to give the listeners the best solid advice, and I know that you are one of those people. So you're gonna give us your your knowledge, and I'm here to soak it up and listen as the rest of our listeners are. Thank you to all of those guys listening here on Spotify Green Room. Mike, 
Thank you. See, Mike making all this noise in the background. What you doing, Mike? Anyway, anyway. All right, Nima. Um, so let, this is this is a very. There's a lot of different directions in which we can go to this. Um, I figured I would give Mike some flowers to start off and start off with his boy Quentin Grimes because I know that he's really high on him. We can start with him and then we can look over to Twitter, see what some of our good old friends over at the Twitter account left for us today, and then we can kind of let this conversation flow. So I'm going to let Mike uh, give Quentin Grimes some flowers here, and then, whoa, Mike, where are you at, bro? Are you at the laundromat or something like that? No, 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 I just closed my garage, so I am now home. Well, okay, there uh, we go. Welcome home. All right. Hey, thank so, you so much. So uh, give me your 30-second elevator pitch on why the Rockets should go for Quentin Grimes at 23 or 24. I think 23 or 24 is uh... – not the spot for me for Quentin Grimes. I like Quentin Grimes a lot. I'm not a huge Quentin Grimes guy, though. Um, I think he's going to be a good... Hold up, hold up, think... hold up. You've been no, gassing I'm... up U of H all this time, and you're going to say you're not yeah. a Quentin Grimes guy? What are you talking about, bro? I absolutely. I can be a huge U of H guy, but I'm not high on Quentin Grimes at the next level. I think he's going to be a good player. I don't think he's going to be a great player. Um, I like him on the defensive end. I don't love him on the defensive end. I think he's a good shooter. I don't think he's a great shooter. I just don't think the ceiling is incredibly high for a guy like Quentin Grimes. I, Nima, if I'm the Rockets, I don't take him at 23 or 24. Nima, what is your what is your thoughts on Quentin Grimes? How accurate is is Mike's statement? Is he is he he's, yeah, a he's bad? Right. No, he's right. Fan. I would not take Quentin Grimes at 23 or 24. Uh, there's just a lot of talent in this draft, and there's a lot of players who, in my opinion, just have a higher upside. Uh, Quentin Grimes is great. I think he's going to be a decent like pick around the early second round, maybe late first round. Um, but I would probably take him around like 33 or 34. I think he's at like 32 on my big board. I just really like his athleticism. He's able to shoot. Um, being in Kelvin Sampson's like system and, you know, having defense kind of forced into your brain is a great thing, you, you know, before the professional level. Um, and so I think he'll be able to, you know, come off the bench of a pretty good team and give you some good impact. I kind of like that, uh, the pick at 32 with Milwaukee, um, if they, you know, end up getting rid of Brent Forbes or he doesn't come back. Um, I think, you know, that's a decent replacement, a guy who can, shoot at about 40% from three in the college level. I would say probably maybe 37, 38% um, in the pros if he's able to get the similar, like similar types of looks. I don't really, I'm not crazy about his ability to create for himself. Um, I think he's going to be best fit on a team with other creators and uh, kind of just being a good shooter um, or, you know, off ball kind of guy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, at 23 or 24, he's not someone I would reach for. There's a couple guys that I would think about reaching for uh, and maybe just taking like a high upside bet, but he's not one of them. Yeah. I I'm with you. Nima. like I, I watched every single U of H game this year. He never wowed me, you know, like U of H played some of the best team ball in the country. And yes, he had good games, but he never popped on the screen to me. Like one team I think he would do incredibly well with is Philadelphia. That Philadelphia, like that Philadelphia Milwaukee type of team where he can, like you said, come off the bench. Don't ask too much of him because he's not going to give it to you. Like he's a guy that will give you six to eight points a game. I feel like low side, high side, 10 to 12 points off of your bench, but that's it. I mean, I, just, I think he's a nice player. I don't think he's a guy that I would break the bank for at 23 or 24 if I'm the Rockets. Now, here I was thinking, Mike, you thought, like, the world of Quentin Grimes. I'm shook. I'm no, shook. I mean, he's still, but, you know. But, hey, was nothing a that y'all have said is incorrect. I'll say he's, that. He's still a major part of a team that just went to the Final Four, um, which is great. But then they got trounced in the Final Four, which sucked to watch. But he's, yeah. a, guy, he's a guy that, if you ask me, would I rather have him or the kid from Baylor? Uh, I'm taking the kid from Baylor every single day of the week over Quentin Grimes. Uh, who's the guy we talked about last show? Jeremy Jared Taylor. Butler. Jared Butler. Yeah. I'm taking Jared Butler 
infinite times over Quentin Grimes if I have the chance. Because I think he has a much higher ceiling. Grimes, I mean, Nima, what is your comparison for Grimes at the next level if you have I, I don't I don't really like doing player comparisons. Okay. One, because I'm not fantastic at them. And two, because I just don't really like putting stuff like that. But I do think that he'll be a good, like, rotational off the bench um, – Maybe like an eight, seventh or eighth man uh, yep. can get you maybe a max of twelve points per game, fourteen points per game, and decent from the three. Uh, if I had to, you know, pinpoint a kind of player, maybe like a Marco Bellinelli type of guy, but not as good at shooting, um, being able to just kind of hit the threes, play decent defense. He's a lot more athletic, uh, and I think he he can use his athleticism in the next level. Uh, but I see him being used as sort of an off-ball kind of guy. I don't really, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think he's more of just a rotational guy at his peak. Um, but I don't think, I don't, I don't think he'll like. I think he'll be able to do that for a long time. Like, I think he might be able to come in next year and immediately, you know, help a team. But what you get is kind of what you get at that point. Yeah, yeah. No, I I'm gonna take, I'm, I'm gonna take a stab at this, um, and. Now, Neem and I have talked about this next guy that I want to discuss, um, but I think Neem is a lot more higher on this guy than Mike was on Quentin Grimes. And uh, Neem, correct me if I'm wrong, but you seem to be really high <laughs> on a guy that a lot of people aren't really talking about, and that's uh, Vrenz Blyenberg uh, yeah. from Belgium. So so give me your one-minute uh, like elevator pitch on, on Vrenz Blyenberg and why they should go after him. He's He hasn't really been much of the conversation, so let's bring him into the conversation. Vrenz Blyenberg, yeah. one minute, go. Uh, so he's a 6'11 point guard. I mean, I, I, that in, in itself is super intriguing. Um, he's very unselfish. He can pass, like, live off the dribble, uh, make, you know, lobs, cross-court passes, skip passes. Um Great in the pick and roll. He did have a roll threat uh, in Antwerp last year, and uh, they utilize that a decent amount. He has really good vision. He spaces the floor pretty well. Uh, cuts really hard off ball. He's not great at converting at, at the rim yet, but he's just really skinny. I think he just needs to bulk up a little bit. Uh, really good handle. Uh, capable of guarding, you know, the one to four. He's been guarding guards his whole life, basically. Uh, and he's 6'10". So, He's able to use his size against bigger guys as well. He's been in the professional system for 17 years. Like, this guy is going to be able to come in, in my opinion, and adjust to the NBA, maybe not the game, but to the NBA on day one. Uh, He's not going to have any problems being a professional. Um, He's supposed to be, like, super enthusiastic, accepting of criticism, high IQ. I read a bunch of interviews about him. Um, People basically say that if there's a unicorn in this draft, it's probably him. And I, I agree with that. Uh, he's basically, in my, like in my opinion, the way I think of it is if Josh Giddy is a top 12 kind of consensus pick, I don't understand why Vrenz isn't uh, a first-round pick. He's bigger, uh, shoots the ball a little bit better, maybe a little bit worse of a passer. He's not as versatile of a passer as Giddy is, but he's still a very good passer. I'd say he's top five in the draft. Um, I think this guy has amazing potential. He's a little bit older than Giddy, but, uh, you know, being in the professional system for as long as he was, I, I think he's I think he's got it. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, I don't know if I would reach for him at 24, but he does have his Minnesota combine coming up, or fake combine, um, and we'll see how they do uh, or how he does against, like, the other guys. The other guys are, like, all kind of projected second-rounders. So we'll see how that goes, but I think he'll probably go like early second round. He's one of the guys I would reach for in the twenties though. Yeah, so this is like Nima's pin tweet over on his Twitter at finding Nima23. So he has done a lot of these like deep dive, easy graphics to read. Uh so go check those out. But yeah, it, like you look at this guy and I mean the way that you just gassed him up. I might say, you know what? No more green game, no more Mobley mob. I'm taking Vrenz number two overall. But <laughs> I do see what you're saying. He does not have as much exposure than than most of these guys. Um, another another added bonus is that he played in Belgium with 
Jay Sean Tate. Jay Sean Tate, yeah, former Stone. former teammate of Jay Sean Tate. And uh, Stone earlier in the year said Hoopers no Hoopers. So, you know, I have to think that, that Tate is in his ear about this guy. But he hasn't had a workout with the Rockets yet. He, had, he worked out with uh, OKC in Memphis, now the Minnesota Combine. So maybe he crushes it and we see if he gets a workout. But my fingers are crossed. Nima, I want to ask you real quick about a guy who, forward-wise, I am incredibly high on, and that's Johnny Juzang uh, from UCLA. What are your thoughts uh, about him? After watching him play, though, I like how fundamentally sound he is. If he falls to the Rockets, I don't know if I'm taking him at 23. If they found a way to end up with him in the early second round, do you find good value in that pick? Or I would be really honest. I don't th- you don't I don't like think he gets. I don't think he gets drafted, and if he does, I think it happens late second round. Ooh. If he goes undrafted, that would be an amazing, amazing summer league pickup. Um, Ooh. And I think that would be a great, you know, two way kind of guy for next year. Juzang is someone who. I, don't I mean, know. I, I I've seen him going everywhere. I mean, in the, he's getting drafted late first I've seen, in I've nearly seen him every draft. For, I've seen him late first round, but from a lot of people, I've seen him late second round or undrafted. Um, I have my consensus big board of, like, 60 different drafts. Uh, and currently, let me pull that up. Uh, Juzang's ranked 56 out of 134, 33 players that have been on here. Uh, so not great, but, you know, he could get drafted. I think he was ranked as high as uh, 28 and, you know, undrafted plenty of times. But gotcha. I, if, if he does go undrafted or, you know, maybe you buy into that second round. Again, I there's just other players I would buy into the second round for. There's just some, like, you know, high potential guys. There's, uh, like, I'm not going to pronounce his full last name, but Mamu from Cian Hall. He's, like, a 6'11 guard as well. Um, really big body art, moves very, very well. Uh, that's somebody that I would buy a second round pick for. But if, I think I would hope Juzang goes undrafted and just pick him up for the Summer League, although I think he's going to get a lot of suitors for Summer League. Gotcha. The thing is, there's a lot of these guys, though, that could go late first or, or could go undrafted. It feels like a lot of these guys have such a weird ceiling, and it's because there was a limited, uh, there was a limited showing from them last year. There were games that were limited this year. People are not able to go fly out and see these overseas prospects as often. Maybe that's why Vrenz Blyenberg sits uh, maybe late second when he should be a little bit higher. So there's there's so many different like wrinkles to this draft in particular. Maybe not as much as last year's draft where it was just kind of in the middle of the pandemic and nobody really... At least those guys had like a full season and the teams were... Draft, uh, were like doing proper scouting until the middle of March. But this year, it's been a full year of practically really no, very few games and very few opportunities for exposure to meet these guys. And another thing, too, is what makes it interesting is that the Rockets don't have a second round pick. I think it's been so long since the Rockets have not had, I guess, I guess last year they didn't have a second round pick either, but I mean, they have three firsts and no seconds, which is incredibly different than what we're used to here in Houston. So my thinking is you need to at least get three guys in the draft, but they don't necessarily need to be two twenty three, twenty four. They can, you can trade down from 24 to go into the second round and maybe get a guy that's a little bit better value at a better salary. But there are so many different, there's so many different layers, and I don't necessarily want the Rockets to reach for a guy. However, because every team's big board, there's so much range for everybody, yeah. it's difficult to tell where these teams value these prospects. Someone could be number 25 on Houston's board. They could be number 75 on Orlando's board. Or they could be 50 on Brooklyn's board. It's really... It's really interesting how this draft is going to be because I feel like, especially with the wings, there's a lot of different wings out there, different sizes, different backgrounds, overseas, college, G League, all of that. And it makes this really difficult to analyze, but we're here analyzing it because that's what we got to do. I think there's, but the one thing that is, I guess, a 
uh, a good thing is that there's a whole lot of talent and it's going to be really hard to mess things up. I, I feel honestly though, with Houston, I mentioned in the last podcast, it's going to be really difficult for whoever comes in to, to really make a mark because they have so much more competition from guys that are currently on the roster that are still really young and, and they might not necessarily have that problem elsewhere. Like you're, you're coming into a roster and you have to compete for playing time against KJ Martin against Kyrie Thomas. And those guys are already there against Armani Brooks and they, and they are competing for time as well. They were barely in the NBA last season. So there is going to be a lot of uh, competition there. And that's kind of why I really don't care where the Rockets go position wise, because I feel like, there's going to be competition at every single position, but in reality, there are so many different directions this team can go. Yeah, and just to kind of build on that real quick, uh, looking at you know my consensus of things, um, 23 guys were projected in the top 10 um, by somebody, you know, so well, somebody that I had. Most of them are either you know people that are respected on draft Twitter or you know media outlets that have their own, including uh, SB Nation. Um, 23 different people have been mocked in the top 10. So us sitting at the 23rd pick, we'll be getting somebody who someone thought was a top 10 pick, Um, which I think is, you know, that's great value. I mean, uh, like you said, stuff with COVID and all of that, we just haven't been able to see a lot of these players. And then, you look at the G League guys too, like even further down, Isaiah Todd and Dacian Nix. Um, they just had a small sample size of games in a very, very you know unique environment that was a bubble. Uh, so you, it's again like it's very unpredictable this draft. Like we could very likely get really, really good value at twenty three and twenty four, and that's why I feel a little uncomfortable reaching. Um, I do agree with you. Maybe trade back a little bit. I proposed earlier this week. What if we traded back? Uh, 24 for, I believe, 27 is the Brooklyn pick. Uh, 24 for 27 and then picked up one of their second rounders as well. Because realistically, in that 20 to 35-ish range, all those players are almost interchangeable in value. I mean, you're getting, like, you know, everybody's a little bit different. But in terms of right now, what the way you rank them, the difference between 22, 23, 24, 25, all those guys is just so minimal that I'm okay with trading back a couple spots with one of those picks and then picking up another guy in the fourth or with a fourth pick in the second round and making that your, you know, high reach kind of guy, whether it be Vrenz or uh, like a guy like Josh Primo, if he were to slip, even though he's going up a bunch of boards. Um, Stone said in, in the, uh, in his interview that um, he, he wanted to, you know, go for young guys and go for potential and, you know, kind of lean into that player development coaching staff that we have. And so I that's that's my hope with those 23 and 24 picks. Maybe you get a, gay like, a guy like JT Thor um, or, you know, like, uh, again, I say Josh Primo just because he's the youngest guy in the draft. I think that's insane, especially because he's, he's very talented. Um, I, the Rockets have a, a chance to build something really special with this draft. And we don't have – we have our pick next year, and then we don't have a like bundle of picks till 2023. I think really getting these guys and having them grow for two years with uh, with Kevin Porter Jr., with Christian Wood, Jay Shante, KJ Martin, um, you you have a chance to really establish a really good future here. So I hope they just you gotta nail this draft. It's important. Neem, I wanted to I wanted to just get your real quick thought on another local guy, in Greg Brown from the University of Texas. What uh, what do you see from him that you like, and could he be a potential fit for the Rockets? I think he can fit almost anywhere. I love him. Um, he can he can space the floor. I really think if he were to have stayed in school and transferred uh, into a program that probably could have used him a little bit better, he would be a surefire lottery pick next year. Um, but you know. I, I don't think it's bad that he's getting into the draft. I think he will get drafted. I think he could be a late first rounder, but probably early second round. And again, like that's one of those guys that I would probably pick. I would reach for as well at 24. Um, and that I would also, you know, try and trade back, get a second round pick and then pick Greg Brown. Um, 
he's you know very extremely athletic. He's he'll he'll run the fast break with you. He'll make the you know he can be a great help defender if if he kind of gets the IQ a little better. Um, I, as long as that shot pans out, I think he has a chance in the league. I, I just. I think UT, it was just a bad situation. Kai Jones also kind of exploding, um, kind of pushed him back, and Shaka just didn't know what to do with him. I, I think, I think there's, a lot of, there's a lot of potential for Greg Brown in Houston especially. Uh, it, it, would be, it would be really cool to see him get picked at 24. I also think like, guys like him, Josh Christopher, uh, two of fault, BJ Boston, who you know were kind of – Top ten picks their entire time, or top ten like ranked top ten their entire time, basically growing up, um, being five star recruits coming out of high school. Um, you you kind of you kind of bank on that potential a little bit, especially whenever you have those later picks, uh, and, and hope they just kind of pan out. Sure. Yeah, and Greg Brown is in Houston, according to his Instagram story. So the Rockets are giving him a workout, or at least that's what. We would think, you know, if 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 you're in Houston at this time, you're probably and you're a draft prospect. Chances are you're meeting with the Rockets, so that's a that's definitely a good sign if the Rockets can get Greg Brown there. I think they uh, they they've invited him for a workout, so they definitely have their eyes on him. Another uh, guy that I want to bring up, if he's available right now, is Mr. Don Naka, a longtime listener of the podcast. He mentioned some guys to to talk about in our tweet today. So if he has time to come up, I'd love for him to come and join us for our next uh, discussion of guys. Uh, so Don, I sent you a uh, I sent you a speaker request, um, and he's up right here. Don, welcome to the Dream Take, my friend. How are you? Hey, give me one second. No worries. Turn my microphone on. All right. Uh, and shout out to okay. everyone that is listening to us live here on Spotify Greenroom. We greatly appreciate your support. And feel free to chime off in the comments after after we send Don, uh, after we have our conversation with Don, I'll probably ask for more speaker requests if, if any of y'all have them to ask your questions before we wrap up the show. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely... Uh, very, there's, there's so many guys that we could talk about. And it's so difficult because these guys that we're talking about have very good chances of not just going after the Rockets pick, but going before they pick. Uh, one of those guys that, uh, Don wants to talk about is, uh, Usman Garuba, who I've seen as probably one of those 23 guys yeah. that's been mocked in the top 10, uh, from, from what Nima mentioned earlier. But, uh, Don, Give me your thoughts on Usman Garuba. Why do you like him for the Rockets? So I think we need to get some more defense in, and that's what he brings uh, kind of in spades. He's got a good motor. He's like a strong um, strong frame. He's got an NBA-ready type of body. Um, I think from what I've seen, he's good like in pick and roll, um, Good, pretty good finisher. He has some spot-up type of three. Um I haven't seen a whole lot more past that just yet. I'm still going over a lot of his tape, but um, I think he's just another, like, high upside guy. And I think he did similar to how um, Nima was talking about Vrenz being in a pro system. Like, Garuba was also in a pro system overseas for Real Madrid. Madrid. Yeah. So that's kind of some of the reasons I'm banking on him. Um, And, like, so he shot up a lot of people's boards recently. And it's not hard to see why, especially, like, we have KPJ. If we get someone like a green, I think leaning into more defensive picks with the, the 23 and 24 would be a good idea. Yep. Uh, yeah. Nima, thoughts on I, Garuba? Yeah, I, I love Garuba. Uh, I'm actually, like, Real Madrid is my favorite basketball team. I, I watched them a decent amount. I've gone to a couple games whenever I was in Madrid. So, um, Garuba, I love. Uh, first of all, he's very, like, just long athlete. Um, he's quick, mobile. Um, he's very good on the defensive end. He, he's able to read the defense very well. Great at switching. Um, he can guard all five positions because, like, he's just very, you know very mobile, quick with his feet. Uh, but also he's six eight and has a like very good frame, um, similar to like a Kenneth Reed type of frame already. Um, and I think that he can he can be probably the best defensive player in this draft. Um, 
the offensive game might not pan out. He doesn't. He's not great with his handle. He's not great with as a passer. Although he did show some like pretty good passes throughout the season. Um, and his shooting started off pretty bad, but he got up to about like I think he had a stretch of games towards the end of the season where he was averaging about forty percent from three. Um, I think this is this, that's a guy that I if, if he's there at twenty three, you take him. Uh, I don't think he'll be there at 23, but if he's there at 23, you take him. Maybe you take someone else and then take him at 24 just so you give him a little less guaranteed money. Um, but he, 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 if he's if he's there at 23, you win the draft. Like, <laughs> and Nima, is, is he a guy – Jeremy and I have talked about this a little bit before. Is he a guy that you would potentially move up slightly in the draft to go get – um, do you I think, think it depends. He, do you think he has that type of talent that you would, instead of getting twenty three and twenty four, move up slightly to go get? Maybe I think it. I think yes. Like let's say he's at like twenty, and you trade like twenty three and something um, to move up to twenty. Then maybe. Um, I think it depends on who's still on the board, um, because there's like like we said, there's going to be so many guys that slide up and down, like. You you could see a guy like Kai Jones be there at twenty three, um, and then if Kai Jones is there at twenty three, you don't want to trade down and get Gruba uh, with twenty three and twenty fours, and like uh, even you know maybe maybe Jared Butler is there at twenty three. I like him a lot. Um, there's you know there's chances that a guy like you know what's his name uh, Jalen Johnson could slide, uh, even though I don't think that that's very likely, but I do like his game a lot. Uh, that's someone else that I would just take at 23 rather than trade up. So um, I think it just depends on who's still there. But if if the offer is right and, you know, it seems like the guys that are on the higher part of your board are getting taken off very quick, then, you know, go ahead. I don't see why not. I, I think the, the Rockets just need to be sure. Like, if you're going to trade up, trade up for a guy that is, like, a tier above, or maybe even a tier and a half above everybody else on the board, and you're in on your big board, and and that's the only way I really see you doing it because those twenty three and twenty four picks, like you're gonna get you're gonna get good quality out of it, hopefully. I yeah, mean, if you trade up with twenty three and twenty four, you better buy into the second round. That that's all that I'm gonna say because I, I said this: you got three picks, you got to walk away with three picks or at least. Yeah, like I if if I did like twenty three and twenty four for like nineteen and one of New York second rounders, then I, I think I'd do it. Um but again Maybe they you know, use one of those picks to trade up and one of those picks to trade down. Maybe they only trade one of those picks. Yeah. I mean it, it, we, we, we have guys like yeah. uh we have guys like House and um and DJ Augustine that you can Add on to contracts. We have all those future first and seconds. So, do, do y'all think Gordon could get moved before the draft? Maybe try to get like a later pick. God, I hope so. It'd be very difficult, I think, to move Eric Gordon without attaching a without attaching an asset. It, it would probably have to take. Like, I know we kind of floated around the idea a couple weeks ago of like Eric Gordon and twenty three for Hero or something like that, and. And I talked to heat people about it, and they were like, "Hell no! Like, get out of here! Like, goodbye!" Like, they they really hated that deal. And I know there was those rumors about how um, about how Hero is on the move, but they they kind of it's kind of cooled down a little bit from what I've heard um, from from Heat people. So I'm not expecting the Rockets to really be able to move on from Eric Gordon. I mean, I just can't imagine a team that would be really interested in him. I've said it before on a couple of these episodes is. You know, the league right now is kind of stuck. There's not really a trade that makes a whole lot of sense that's going to blow the league open. And I think it's it, – and it, and it puts the Rockets in a really difficult position because they are a team that could uh, benefit from a trade or two because they have those kind of contracts that are just super difficult to eat up. But at this point, it's really difficult for me to – Especially considering how thin our 2022 draft assets are currently, I personally would rather wait for Eric Gordon to, you know, give Eric Gordon playing time even, let him ball out this year potentially, and then 
deal him at the deadline next year. I think that's much more likely of a situation for Eric Gordon, at least. But um, Don, is there any other prospect that you want to you want to uh, address or assess, address and assess uh, <laughs> before before we move on? Yeah, uh, Zaire Williams, uh, oh, yes. another yes, guy yes, yes, that yes, yes, yes. he might slide. There's potential for that. I think his shooting numbers this year weren't amazing. Um, I think 29% from three. But another guy, you know, real athletic. He has some shot creation, some playmaking. That um, I think someone – I listened to a podcast the other day, and they were talking about having, like, multiple playmakers on the floor and that being really, like, the – the essence of how Silas wants to run a lot of his offense. So Williams would play into that a lot. Same thing, rangy, defensive type of guy. And um, I think he can improve his – I think his shot's a little janky, but hopefully they can kind of get it more refined. Like I know mo- people are low on Mobley shooting, but Mobley's shot looks really good when he shoots it right. Like he's very good fluid mechanics. Um, I think Williams could do a little more refining on his shot. And then other than that, like I said, good defensive instincts, good uh, – I think he could be like a weak side shot blocker type of guy, similar to how like Brown could be used. Um, those are kind of my, my big takeaways from what I've seen of him so far. I think Zaire Williams is really athletic. I, I think that is probably the one thing that stands out to you first. And another thing, too, is you know he's been covered for a couple of years now because he's played for Sierra Canyon, and Sierra Canyon is the high school for – basketball now it's brawny and and Lamello, all of them and it's it's been so he's been kind of a part of that group so that's why he's i think been mocked maybe a little bit higher i'm not as high on him because he was he's been mocked in top tens in some places or, or in in the lottery so i think teams are high on zaire williams especially considering the fact he's only 19 he'll be 20 by the time the season starts super young super Super high motor, but I also fear with with the way that Silas wants to run that offense and have you know playmakers at every position. I, I don't necessarily think that's the way that the NBA is really trending in terms of in terms of where things are. Because uh, like look at look at the teams that are in the finals. Usually, what I like to look at is look at the teams in the finals, see how they are modeled and try to go just a little bit further ahead of that curve. And you look at you look at Phoenix, they like Jay Crowder isn't really a playmaker. It, like I don't like you can't have five leaders. You need some followers in there. PJ Tucker started in the finals. He's definitely not a playmaker. And so I think you need guys that are a little bit more defensive oriented, like Inusman Garuba, um who reminds me a little bit of like Jeremy Grant defensively. I think he could be uh, similar to that, like almost like a weird hybrid of like Jeremy Grant and uh, Serge Ibaka, like like has like can, like can play big like Ibaka can, but is also lateral like Jeremy Grant as well. It's a really like it's amazing how these prospects are developing because you can see like they they model their game after so many people because they're they have they've seen more people. They have access to watching more basketball, and they get to model their games after so many people, and it creates these unicorn-like prospects. And I think Zaire Williams has that, you know, athleticism. And, uh, you know, I, I can't say no to athleticism really ever, but at the same time, I think you do need some followers to match with the leaders that are on the court. And Zaire Williams is not going to be the primary ball creator for the Rockets if you, if you swear to come here. Yeah, I think the creation potential I was talking about more like a secondary creator, like a, someone that's going to keep the ball moving more so than like really being the lead dog. Like you have KPJ obviously to do that. I think honestly, if we were to get Jalen Green, I think it's a similar thing where like Jalen Green's playmaking is a lot better as like a secondary type of guy rather than the guy who needs the ball in his hands line, especially Green. I mean, he his off-ball potential is really high with his slashing, his finishing at the rim. And uh, I even think his movement shooting will be a good tool for him at the next level. But, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting more so with, like, multiple creators is not necessarily having, like, you know, five James Hardens out there, but having guys that can, like, at least put the ball on the floor, do a little bit of slashing, and then make the right pass to, to open teammate once they get an advantage situation. Some guys that's not going to, like – get into a pick and roll as a pick and roll ball handler and like totally, you know, break the scheme. So. If Garuba could become like a Paul Millsap type of guy, I would love that. 
Um, I I think yeah. that's probably, like he's got a similar build. Um, can space the floor kind of like that. He needs to work on his handling and all that, but he has quicker feet than I think Millsap probably ever had in his career. And, and, Nima, and Nima, don't you think that the perfect type of guy to put next to a Christian Wood, if they don't go Mobley at two, is a Paul Millsap type? You know, a guy yeah, who go get you, you know, 17 and eight, but will be a force on the boards when you need him to be. That's what Wood really needs. Wood, Christian yeah. Wood needs a power forward that can bang for him. Yeah, like, yeah. he needs like yeah, a, definitely. a Zach Randolph type. Exactly. <laughs> like, Zach, like, before he killed it in New York, Julius Randle next to Christian Wood would have been a match made in heaven. I mean, even like today, that. that would be a great... Uh, oh, God, I would give anything for Julius Randle. This is exactly why I love John Collins. Like, well, I mean, yeah. If John, I, John Collins... Collins well, yeah. I mean, do y'all think that he's a legitimate chance for the Rockets or no? He's going he's gonna to get a max contract, and uh, no. <laughs> would you, would you, he, he did really well to play on Collins, only because I just think Atlanta played he played himself into a place with Atlanta where they they have to re-sign him at this point. Uh, but Atlanta is probably another team that is going to look to offload some of those contracts so that they can go and uh, sign him. So, uh, Don, I've got other speaker requests. Um, actually, yeah. no, they do not because the, the guy <laughs> left. Um, but is there anything else that you have to say before I uh, we, we sign out? Yes, one more thing. Um, Absolutely. Kind of, kind of on the Paul Millsap, you know, realm there. Like, I want the Rockets to be a good rebounding team. It feels like we've been undersized and poor at boxing out for so long now. And I just want them to, even if they don't get someone in that's, you know, like a big, bigger guy or like a longer guy, like bring in someone that has good rebounding instincts. That's my one goal for, for these later picks in the draft. So... But yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for bringing me up. Um, love the podcast, obviously, and uh, I'll go back down into the chat. With everyone else, thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Thank you, Don. Don. You can go follow Don on Twitter at Don Knock. He's done a lot of work for, uh, you know, just draft work and all of that. So uh, he's a real, uh, real smart follow on Twitter if you're over there. So uh, be sure to give Don a follow. And I think this is a good place uh, to park, but. Uh, Nima, any any last thoughts about any guys? Maybe like quick quick hits on any guys that we haven't really discussed yet. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of wings, I think we kind of covered a lot of the ones back there. There's Corey Kispert, who if he's at 23, mm-hmm. he's a lot. I yeah, would you have to I would, tr- I would trade the pick and let someone else take Corey Kispert at 23 and try and get some value out of that because. I'm not crazy. You're not high on Kispert. I'm. I'm. It's not. I'm not high on him. I just think he is what he is right now, and that's what he'll be in the league, and that's cool. But there's just a lot of those guys that you can find, you know, eventually, and they're not exactly a necessity. Um, I I take forty percent and a little bit of everything over forty three percent and just three pointers. Um, but I might just be a little bit lower on Kispert than other people. Uh. But you know, uh, in terms of rebounding, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good bigs out there that I think can rebound, and I, there's also a lot of wings out there. And I think we covered a couple of them uh, with Zaire Williams, with Greg Brown. Um, I again, like I just think the Rockets need to uh, need to hit these picks or or you know get guys. They don't need to be one year impact. I think it would be. I think a guy like Greg Brown would probably benefit from some G League play. Uh, Renz as well probably needs a year in the G League. Um, even Zaire Williams will need some G League minutes, likely. Uh, so you know, it's just about getting the picks right. That's that's all. That's all we got to hope for. And I, I think, I think the Rockets uh, organization is pretty pretty sound with their with what, with what they're going to decide on. One more quick guy, Neem. I want to get your opinion on Jalen Johnson from Duke. Oh man! Uh, if he's there at twenty three, I'd love him. Okay. Um, I'm with I'm like with you. His, I think he could be a steal in the draft. I really like his ability to kind of like run and transition. He's able to handle the ball. He makes really good passes. Um, I think he can be a really good like point forward kind of guy. Um, very athletic, plays above the rim. He can shoot pretty well, but his mechanics are kind of wonky. 
Um, so who knows if that translates, but I mean, it went in like 44% of the time. The biggest problem is, um, it's kind of attitude. Apparently Duke wasn't the first time he's ever left. Um, he like went to high school and I guess he went to IMG and then like left IMG before even playing a game. Uh, so there might be some character issues there. So he did slide down my board a little bit once I figured that out. Uh, just a, like a spot or two, um, nothing crazy, but you know, the, the, uh, the character issues are always something that it's very hard to, especially as fans, cause we're all just armchair scouts. Um, but it's, it's a little bit hard to kind of gauge. Uh, and so the teams definitely know better than we do. They get to meet these guys. They get to talk to them, meet their families, whatnot. And, um, really get a better understanding of the players. And so if if the mental part is there, uh, if he, you know, seems like he's going to have a great attitude or whatnot, he's a top 10 pick. Uh, he's a top 10 talent. I think Duke also was just, uh, I don't know, Coach K is getting senile. Um, it's, hey, he's, he's finally out of there. Glad he's retiring. Got one year left. Too. I need, I need Beheim out of here. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, I guess one quick hit that I have before we sign off, um, Derek Alston, uh, from Boise State, um, ironically, he's 23, so he, he went five years, um, in college, he was a walk-on at Boise State, um, his dad, um, his dad, Derek Alston, played in the league and played overseas, I actually ended up, uh, I grew up with Derek, um, we went to the same school for, for elementary school in the Houston area, and he, Ended up going to Strake Jesuit in Houston. He went and then went and walked on at Boise State. And he was their best player, I think, by his junior year. Um, the funny thing about Derek is he could be a late second-round pick. His stock has been – his stock was a lot higher during the season. But I think since the season has ended, he's become he's, – he's dropped a little bit on boards because he is 23 and he's going to be probably 24 before the season starts. So that's not necessarily the guy you want to pin your uh, pin your thing on or, or like place your eggs in that basket. Sure. Um, but I will say he has worked for the Rockets before. Derek Alston was a an assistant coach, I believe, under um, I want to say it was Kevin McHale. Uh, he was he was on the Rockets staff for a season or two, and Derek was actually uh, like he was he was the ball boy or he was um like the guy that cleans the courts or something like that so he's like connected literally with the rockets organization um and his dad Derek Alston is now the head coach of the Westchester Knicks and so there so there's connections to the Knicks connections to the uh, rockets he'll be in the league next year uh, good to see a local talent uh if he goes undrafted, don't be surprised if the Rockets pick him up. I think he's yeah. a perfect. He's like six nine. He's like one hundred and eighty pounds. I think like he's not very. He's pretty skinny. Um, he's always been skinny. Um, but he's. I'm happy for him. Happy is for his family. Uh, the mom. I remember his mom like growing up. Like the mom was like the sweetest person ever. So uh, good for him. Good for uh, good for everyone. And uh, I guess this is a good place to park the rocket ship for now. Thank you, Nima, especially. Uh, Thank you, Nima. on today and dropping the knowledge, dropping the gems. Uh, feel free yeah, to plug anything it. you're working on, Nima, and uh, floor is yours. Uh, yeah. Um, I have a podcast coming out tomorrow, maybe today, I guess. I don't know when you are releasing this one. Uh, but tomorrow to the people that are listening now, uh, coming out with uh, Rafael Barlow from uh, Locked On Draft. So, That'll be a good one. Um, I do have my big board and uh, mock draft and stuff that I will be posting on Apollo. Uh, feel free to follow at Apollo HMU. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Finding Nemo Twenty Three. Uh, like the movie. Sorry, my dog's eating like, something. Like the movie. Yeah, it took me um, a while to figure that out. Actually, <laughs> I'm, I apologize. Um, and then uh, I'll be. I, I, I'm still working on my uh, my little dashboards for the draft, but uh, be on the lookout for those. I'm trying to do those for everybody that gets drafted by draft night. So uh, working on that a lot. It's it, I'm busy, but um, yeah, you know, follow me. I appreciate y'all. Thanks for having me on. Um, you know, fan of the show, fan of y'all. So always good to talk to you all about the Rockets. And we're a fan of you.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you can also you can also follow my co-pilot, Mr. Michael Brown, on Twitter at BSW Podcast underscore MB. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. You can follow the Dream Take on Twitter at the Dream Take. You can follow the Dream Shake on Twitter at Dream Shake SBN. And you can check out all of our content over at thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets at SBNation.com. We'll be back probably Sunday or Monday recording for another new episode. We're going to discuss the bigs. We're going to give JT Thor a whole lot of love. So we're really going to break down him and we're going to break down guys like Isaiah Jackson. And we'll talk a little bit more about anyone that wants to come up and speak and, and uh, share some Rockets love and some love for the, the big prospects we have in this draft. Cause the Rockets need a big, uh, I think that's a very, uh, that's a very big, priority in this draft whether they take it in Mobley at two or whether they go later in the draft i know mike really wants a big he wants one so bad yes i do okay. at least one if not two we want five bigs we're just gonna play five centers next season i would love not that. small ball we're playing tall ball it's tall ball now i want very tall ball maybe not maybe not quite there but yeah a, a big would be nice so we're gonna be discussing those uh early next week and then we're hoping sometime about a week from now, we're going to have our big giant 30 man first round mock with a bunch of guys that are in the green room community for basketball that are in the SB nation community. We're going to have like a whole little hybrid and we're going to have uh, opinions from everyone and every which way. So be sure to check that out soon. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this episode and until next time, go Rockets. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design. Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.